Welcome, everyone, to the First Presbyterian Church podcast. We are First Presbyterian in Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and we are glad that you are here listening with us, and we'd love to hear from you. Um, We hope that your day will be blessed, and may the peace of Christ be with you. didn't give you any introduction today, just went right into the story. I'm sorry about that. We are in the time of King Ahab, as you heard. Ahab saw Elijah. Elijah is the prophet, the famous prophet. Prophets in ancient Israel were there to speak truth to the kings or the other political leaders. We are about 50 or 60 years past where we were last week with Rehoboam, David's grandson, and Jeroboam. We are some generations ahead, but not too far ahead. And you may remember we've been talking this fall about the history of Israel and how we find ourselves uh, struggling as the Israelite people with their leadership. They wanted a king, and God said no, and they kept asking and asking, and so eventually God said, you can have a king, and they had Saul and David and then Solomon, and then things went downhill from there. But Ahab is one of these kings, and he is married to uh, Jezebel, who gets more of a bad rap than she really should. But one thing that is true of her is that she is a foreigner. She is uh, a worshiper of Baal. And she had gotten it in her mind to get rid of the prophets of Israel, including Elijah. She had many of them killed, but Elijah remained. A man at the beginning of this chapter named Obadiah comes upon Elijah as he'd been looking for Elijah, and Elijah says, go and tell the king that I am here. And so Obadiah delivers the message, and we come upon this meeting of Ahab and Elijah, and the contest that they have, complete with heckling between the prophets of Baal and the God of Israel, represented by just Elijah. It is a time of deep division, as we've been talking about uh, throughout the fall. It's also a time of great national stress. They're in the middle of a drought, three years without rain, looking for some relief, making some plans, really needing Elijah's help to sort all this out. So we come to the story today with the prophets of Elijah and Baal, and as you heard, Elijah wins. The prophets of Baal try their hardest to get Baal to light their sacrifice on fire, and then Elijah taunts them. I don't know that that's how um, we would want our prophets of God to behave, but he does. There's even some humor in there. The Hebrew is a little bit uncertain, um, but that part where 
Elijah says, perhaps Baal is lost in thought or wandering or traveling somewhere. The Hebrew is a little unclear, but um, some scholars say that there is this little thing that's not exactly translated here in our English of like, maybe your God's just in the bathroom. Maybe he's on the toilet and busy doing his stuff. You know, not exactly in those words, right? But um, yes, Elijah taunts the followers of Baal. They go to extreme measures, cutting themselves, bleeding everywhere, trying, trying to get Baal to answer. And of course, nothing happens. Elijah, on the other hand, works uh, almost against his own wish. He does everything that he can uh, to make it obvious that it is God's doing and to make it a huge and grand miracle, sign, and signal. He douses everything with water, right? And I'm not quite sure what to do with this and what the people would have thought because, right, they're in a drought. And here Elijah is wasting so much water, pouring it on the sacrifice and in the trench. Elijah calls upon God and doesn't even ask for fire to fall. Elijah says, answer me so that the people will know that you, Lord, are the real God and that you can change their hearts. The fire falls and the people are changed. Our section for today ends with them proclaiming, the Lord is the real God, the Lord is the real God. It goes on to have Elijah then uh, murder, slaughter, kill all the prophets of Baal. Again, I have mixed feelings about this story. We live in a time where such, um, I don't know, triumphalism, arrogance, uh, such showmanship is not really the approach to winning people over with God's love. But one thing I do want to focus on, just a tiny little nugget for today, is how God acts and that God shows up. God is real to the people, real for the crowd present. And God's fire could have fallen maybe earlier in the day, but the fire did not fall until after Elijah had carefully put the altar back together after he had prepared the sacrifice, after he had talked to the people and prayed to God. One commentator noted that the realness of God comes alive in so many ways in the people of God, in the community of God. We see in this scripture a reminder that God is present and powerful and active And like many stories in the Old Testament, uh, we don't get an easy reflection into our lives. We don't get the burning bush like Moses had. We don't have fire falling from heaven. But on this All Saints Day, as I said to the children, we have and we remember the people who bring to life God's realness and presence. Those people in our lives don't need to fall down from heaven, but are already 
around us, showing us love, pointing us to God. As I said to the kids, we, uh, we Protestants don't have a sort of list or canon of saints. We don't give people the title of saint except to everybody, that we are all saints of God. We are all part of the great cloud of witnesses, as we heard in he- the Hebrew passage. We are given God's love. Who are those people that you remember today? the saints in your own lives. Not all of us had saints for parents in any sense of the term, but I hope that no matter your family background, that you have found here people who reflect God to you, people whose hearts are full of that fire of God. We often expect the fire of God or want it. I've said many times here that I would prefer the burning bush or a billboard or some other huge, grand, unmistakable sign of God's presence and movement in my life. And maybe that's you too. It's so easy to forget the small things or to not know at the time how big they really are. My grandmother, when I was growing up, took us to church, picked us up in her maroon Oldsmobile, Um, myself, my older brother, and then we would drive a mile away to my cousin's house, get the two of them. So poor me with the three boys. Uh, It was better if I got to sit in the front and not in the back with the boys, but that didn't always happen. Um, she would take us to Sunday school, and she had a quiet faith. I don't know that she ever gave any speeches about the wonder and power and presence of God, but she witnessed to us by showing up weekly in her maroon Oldsmobile and taking us to church. Sitting with her in church is one of my fondest memories She would give me coins to put in the offering plate. This is a great strategy, by the way, for anybody with littles. Uh, And she would give me mints from her little, you know, roll, the paper roll. We have to do it. Yep. Give me mints and pennies. And, um, you know, everybody knew me in the church through her. And that made all the difference. Again, No fire fell, but over Sunday after Sunday, year over year, she showed me the faith, and somehow that brought me here. What about you? Who are the people who drove you to church or handed you money to put in the offering or spoke kindly to you or showed you what service meant? Our call to, as Christians, as we remember those people, is to be those saints, to show that love in whatever way we can. And as we think about that, we remember that our small acts of love add up in big ways. So, friends, remember this week, you too are a saint. 
called to be a living saint for the people in your lives, called to show God wherever you go. How will you be a saint this week? Amen.